This is Van Jensen, and you are listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Here with us today, starting up the powerful Mach 5, is Mike. You start drinking up these things, I'm running on fumes. Probably hiding in the back is Spritel and Chim Chim with Ross. Hey. The mysterious Racer X trying to keep us all together with CBS. It's a task that's hard for anyone to do. And Sparky the Mechanic. Hi. I thought that was going to be Rob. speed at the end for yeah. sure. No, no, nobody gets to drive the car. <laughs> You just all sit around and fix it. Yeah. I hide in the trunk the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to die if he's struck, Chim Chim. <laughs> Bacon the, Monkey! That was the last episode that we never saw. Oh. <laughs> the monkey got trapped in the trunk? Yeah, they were in the trunk too long. Mm. Smells like bacon in the back. <laughs> monkey bacon. Monkey bacon, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> disgusting. It's kind of got a banana flavor to it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right, uh, God, man. Uh, so, books today we'll be doing Ghost Racers number one from Battle World uh, in Marvel Comics. Uh, Robin, son of Batman, number one. Archie versus Predator number three from Old Dark Horse. The Squadron Sinister, also Battle World from Marvel, and then Superman Wonder Woman number eighteen, part of Truth, not to be confused with Marvel's Truth. Which was terrible. Which was terrible. Oh, my God. Is yes. that the black Captain America? Yes, it was. I had those. They're terrible. Or that. I don't remember if there was more than one or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's oh, a few. Yeah. There's, there's a few. few. There are a few. So, Mr. Ross, uh, oh, which episode is it? Episode number 60. 60. <laughs> All right. Ouch. Ugh, man. So we only got nine more before we get to the sweet spot. That's what I thought I like. you were gonna say we're gonna die. No. Gonna go. <laughs> no. Why would that that's, be the Why would that be the first answer? Well, I don't know. We've got two two options, and that's, are there any other options ever? Pretty much no. That's basically it. After that, we'll have to reboot. <laughs> we were pit missed away reboot point. So it's like new boots, right? That's, yes. yes. I, just, I don't think any of us have ever wore boots, but we will at that point. You know, I you I know. Have. Oh, Mike has. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Mike I work, will get I've new worked boots. for a living. <laughs> get new boots. I don't know what that means. Uh, that means he had to get work done. He had to put on boots. Is that how you... Okay. You know, I've I've worn hiking boots before. There you go. Like almost See, the same thing. the same thing. I guess, I guess he's we're a thinking... He's a big tread on him. It's not the same thing. I guess we're thinking cowboy boot. That's what I was that's thinking. Oh, wow, I was thinking no. too. Work, work, work boots, boot. steel toes. No. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, right, I wear those dress shoes like that. Still toed. Anyway, um, so Ross, how about a little news with Ross and the uh, dog pile? God damn it! <laughs> First big thing we got was uh, Jurassic World outsold the Avengers in its opening weekend, which is kind of crazy. That's some pretty big numbers. But uh, the best thing about it was someone at Marvel drew like a congratulations note 
that shows Chris Pratt riding a T-Rex that's holding Thor's hammer while all the Avengers are looking at him kind of confused about what's going on. It's awesome. <laughs> it's mainly great because I saw... Okay, so when I saw Jurassic World, the person I saw it with, I told him when we got done, I was like, man, I really wanted Chris Pratt to saddle up the T-Rex at the end of that and ride it away like Yoshi from Mario. That's ridiculous. And, and but made that's that what picture. that picture looks like, yep. yeah. So you basically got your wish. Yep, made me happy. <laughs> Him and Ross. Um, <laughs> and then we had, they cast John Bernthal, who was Shane from The Walking Dead. Right, right. As the Punisher in season two of Daredevil. That was pretty cool. Kind of crazy. It's a pretty good fit. I, after I saw the pictures, I could kind of picture it in my head. Of what yeah, like. I, there's a, the Punisher's gone through a couple, couple different variations and looked over the years being drawn, and he matches a couple of them for sure. Plus his attitude, I mean... Part wise, like, you, you, did you see, uh, what was the Fury? Is that what it's called? Fury. Yeah, in Fury, I could see that. Like, he's definitely aggressive, man. Like, the dude can play the well, part of it. Well, he was, uh, he was super hick. Well, but. I mean, in Fury, wasn't an exact representation of anything, but if you think about Shane from Walking Dead, yeah, Fury, right. like, the dude can play, like, over the top, which is awesome. I mean, he did that one 50s show with Simon Pegg that was freaking terrible, but, you know. You can't say that's you is, know. is super hick and you know, like Superman that has an H instead of an S. Yeah, tied on cape. It's actually like uh, it'd be like if, if Superman's sh- uh, if the rocket went down in Arkansas. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the next one. They did Red Sun. I don't know what they're gonna call this one. But... Hayfield. I don't know. Kansas <laughs> has those too. Kansas is not that bad, I guess. I don't know. Superman inbred. <laughs> no, not to say that everybody from there is in, but that's not true. At the stop. Just stop. Superman I watched Parker, the so. episode of X Files the other day for the first time. Oh, uh, with the with the with the country folk. Yeah, that was out of control. Yeah, very much. Apparently, the new X Files is going to do a return to that episode. It makes perfect sense. Why not? Oh my yeah. god! All right. I must have missed that one. Uh, you, well, in the ten years that X-Files was on, Rob was one of the episodes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I probably missed some of those. That's understandable. It was, it was what made it kind of stand out. It was, it was the only X-Files episode that was rated TV mature. Hmm. Because they kill a baby at the start of it. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty out of control. Oh, okay. Did somebody, like, wear it? No. <laughs> okay. No, man. All right, sorry. <laughs> no. God. <sighs> wrong with you there's only tv mature is much more extreme in my head (laughs) (laughs) apparently so (laughs) man Uh, okay what else do we have news wise ross anything else over there that's all i have i don't know if anyone else has anything well jesse eisenberg said he was going to be showing up at the san diego comic-con for the superman that man panel i don't know if that's news or not but there you go whatever yeah um there's going to be a star wars panel too that's cool which I don't know if that's anything super Yeah, you know, good, we'll that's interesting, considering some of the people who aren't going to be there. Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, both uh, Marvel Marvel Studios, not Marvel Click Comics, but Marvel Studios, and uh, Paramount have both stated that they, that they will not be at presence in San Diego this year. And Sony? Uh, and Sony. Yep. Uh, apparently, none of them have anything productive to do at the show, so they're not going to go. It's probably because Fox will be there, and they want to snub them. You know, well, that seems like a stupid idea because honestly, if you're just gonna give all the floor to, to the Fox, they can do whatever the hell they but want. But would it surprise you? Uh, you know, it seems like an with, odd choice. With what's happened up to this point between Fox and 
What was that to do with Paramount and, and Marvel? Yeah, nothing. Marvel bought them off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I wonder, will PlayStation 4 be there? <laughs> there's Sony, right? Well, I think it's just Sony movies. It's yeah. movies. It's Sony, not Sony, Sony film. I yeah. They're, 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 we're basically talking about the film companies. Because Marvel TV is still going to be there. Hmm. And they're still running and up. Marvel Comics is obviously well, going right. to be there. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel Comics and stuff will still be there, but like, so even Marvel TV is going to be there because they have a panel with the folks from Agents of Shield and then uh, from Agent Carter. So it's not like they're not going to be there. Period. It's more like the movie side of things isn't going to be there. So awesome, I guess. We'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that's all. It's really going to do is make Hall H a lot less pop for your stand in line all day. I guess. I don't care. It really doesn't matter to me at all whatsoever. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so there's that. Um, gosh, I feel like there was something else. Was there something else? There anything? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No, nothing. All right. Not that I know of. All right. Well, I guess we move into some books then. Uh, with that in mind. Oh. Um, Damn it. Sorry. Go on. Well, there, there is what's the, the fallout of conversions. Did we talk about that last week? Uh, last show, I don't remember. What okay, I mean, all it is is the same thing we were talking about before the show. Is that really news, though? I don't know, kind of. Right. All right, well, go ahead. All right, so uh, after convergence, there will no longer be the New Fifty Two logo on DC Comics. That does not mean that they are not a part of the New Fifty Two line. However, the New Fifty Two lines timelines are not going to line up any longer. So the continuity of the books are not going to be mirroring each other anymore. At this point, they'll just be random books, which is no different than before, really. Yeah, kind of. Uh, But we're going to be seeing things like in Justice League, we're going to still see Superman and Batman operating as they were before the events of issue 40 for Superman and 41 for Batman, at least for the present time. Um, We're also going to be seeing some more... And things like Bizarro and Batmite, too, that aren't really... Like a part of a regular timeline. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, the kind of cool thing for that is that we're going to be having bigger stories that aren't going to be pulling all the side stories off track doing their issues, I guess, for right now. The interruptions of the events. But Possibly. At the same time, you know, I'm not... Because, like, this truth thing is going through all the Superman books mm-hmm. and Batman changing to... What Batman is now is going to affect every book too. Mm-hmm. It, so, it just uh, it just will in time. It's just not affecting Justice League or Justice League of America. Yeah, yet. it's just not affecting all of them. But like Batman is affecting Batgirl and Batman, Superman, and mm-hmm. Detective. So they still kind of are yeah. doing that, but not as they're just not. Oh, that will it's affect not as Detective. Rough. Yeah, Detective is just Batman. So the new status quo for Batman is also the same in Detective. Uh-huh. The only one we're not sure it's the same in is, is Robin son of Batman. And Batgirl doesn't matter anyway, because it's its own thing. Yeah, it is, but it, the, it's, the it's Batman still, robot isn't going to show up in that, too. It still connects. Yeah. Anyway. I, I think ultimately, like, DC is still going to jump, you know, timelines together. It's just going to be... You know, it's kind of just like before New 52, where it wasn't a big deal if it wasn't exactly on with yeah, whatever. The, the rest and of the they, and they opened up the, the multiverse. Yeah, a little bit more. So they can play around with that more, right? 
presumably the impression I got, or that's what I've heard. Yeah. Well, explain the Abadmite and the uh, Bizarro. So yeah, I mean, I mean, they can go back and revisit, before, like, um, you know, the old, the original Earth Two, or I'd be surprised, you but know, it's possible, you know. Like the JSA character, it doesn't seem and all like, that. It doesn't seem like they have any plans for that right now, but. Uh, for instance, I'm hoping Aquaman, we're going to find out Aquaman is not in continuity with everything else, too. Because he's going to have a big change at 41. it's totally different, yeah. Well, I, I have faith in Cullen Bunn there. I think he'll kill it, just like he has with Sinestro and many other things he's written. Yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff he's doing that's just been just fine, so... Wolf Moon, I'm sure it'll awesome. Out. I think it'll probably be good. I just don't want it to be part of the continuity very bad, because it doesn't seem like it makes sense to me yet. But when I read it, I might have a totally different opinion, so... Take that, Ross's opinions. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's go and move into uh, Ghost Rider. Go rate Goat Racer. Goat Racer, which is a totally different book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something else. Well, probably. Goat. Yeah. No. No, no. That's a different book too. It's surprising it exists, but the internet's full of things that hurt your eyes and your soul. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So, Ghost Racers, number one. Thank God. I think from a new book you need to work on now. No. This, this could go off the rails real quick. It already started. Without our, uh, our without the law here this evening. Oh, uh, man. I don't think that. <laughs> ultimately, that would just make it worse. You'd probably just drive us further hey, off. Might, might. Yeah, no doubt. So, Rob, uh, you want to tell me some stories about the Ghost Racers? <laughs> sure. All right. Why not? Uh, Ghost Racers is also in the Battle World frame. So, we get introduced to Robbie Reyes, who was the last Ghost Rider that we've that we've encountered. He's the Ghost Rider, the Ghost Rider, who uses the muscle car. What we quickly find out is that there's basically this giant arena with all kinds of pitfalls in it and all kinds of different um, dangers and hazards that the Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider and in this case, the Ghost Racer is a whole collection of them will be pitted on. And, like, there's a whole group of people that come to cheer on their favorite Ghost Rider and bet on them. And, and you know, whoever's going to win will... I, I don't know. It's like a big celebrity kind of event. Thing. Sorry, yeah, it's basically like a giant race arena thing going on that... We find out it was fueled by Arcade. I mean, he apparently seems to be running things. So it's like Twisted Metal. Kind uh, of, yeah. yeah th- Very th- much th- like Twisted, Twisted Metal, metal. yeah. yeah. Good. Twisted Metal or like Deathmatch or welcome. Death Race. Um, but they bring in Ajara Blaze, Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch, and Carter Slade, which are all actually Ghost Riders that we've encountered over the years. Well, yeah, Carter Slade's the original horse, horse, the cowboy ghost rider. Then we have the chick ghost rider. Then we have Danny and Johnny. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all the ghost riders we've had, I think, ever, actually. Probably in... in Some form or mm-hmm. another, yeah. Um, but each of them is kind of pitted against each other. And it seems like, you know, Arcade's basically like the announcer guy who's manipulating the show. And it's mostly, it looks like it's, it's supposed to be built as an entertainment thing. Um, each of the ghost racers tries to take out the other for ultimately who's going to come in at the end. And they build it up. It's very kind of like Mad Maxi in how the action plays out. 
and how they manipulated all the different fires for the different ghost riders and their different unique abilities that they have. Um, one of the things that we're learning as we go, though, is that Robbie Reyes has continued to win ever since he started up, and that he's fueled still by needing to win for his brother. Uh, the trick is, like, once once we get towards the end of the race, we actually even find out that there's lots of different pitfalls that'll come up, uh, including Aja getting shot with, like, some kind of sniper rifle before she can finish the race. And, um... Once uh, once the race is over, all the racers are forced to change out of their Ghost Rider form, and then they're like hauled away by armed security forces while the winner celebrates. And uh, we kind of get back to Robbie and uh, how he interacts with his brother, and they got him all set up in like kind of a nice little penthouse, and um, he's supposed to be going out and visiting his fans, and we see kind of like a brief overview of his past career. As we get a little bit further in the story, we find out that all the other uh, ghost racers, the ones who didn't win, they get treated to go into like a torture chamber, where Jeez. they're uh, put through all sorts of, I guess, tortures and drills and stuff by the uh, angel Zazaro, or Zadikin. I always pronounce it wrong, but it's, it's the one that actually ultimately was a part of Danny Ketch's power, and I guess a part of a lot of the other Ghost Rider's abilities. Hmm. So the Angel itself is one of Arcade's minions who is torturing the other racers for not winning. And it sounds like as we get through it, that Arcade is kind of planning maybe a downfall for Robbie, but Robbie has never experienced what happens if you lose. And so he's not sure what's going to happen with his brother, hmm. so he's kind of like just set with, like, oh, I won't lose. Like, this book, out of most of the Battle World books is very just Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider centric, and we don't really see anything beyond how this world works. So, like, this is kind of almost like a celebrity side of what's going on in Battle World. So, I think if, if any of them connect between A and B, it, it seems like maybe Arcade does, because he has a very similar look to a couple of the other books. Yeah. Now, does that mean anything? Eh, don't know. I mean, it's too early to know that yet, but I, I have a feeling it might be the same arcade in the different un the different realms or whatever. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he's the same one in uh, Planet Hulk. Yeah. So so we'll see, I guess, where that goes. Um, Rob, you want to score for the book? You know what? I, I actually really enjoyed it. I'd give it a three and a half. Love the look of it. It has, like I said, like a very Mad Maxy feel. It's definitely action-packed. And I, I liked that... Um, Excuse me. I like that a lot of the relations between the different ghostwriters were kind of preserved in this book, although they're not fully realized. So, like, we don't know Johnny and um, Danny are related, but they kind of make comments about their relationship with each other. So, <coughs> I thought that was a cool kind of take. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mike? To be honest, I cannot give this book a score. Because right. I did not uh, partake, I'm not. Uh, I haven't uh, been into Ghost Rider since I was a kid. I haven't. Nothing's really caught my interest. I haven't been. You know. Was that during the uh, Carter, the Carter Ghost Rider days? Carter. Yeah. Um, Slade, the horse, horseback riding. No, no, no. Just really the motorcycle, know. Johnny. No. <laughs> um, All right. No, it was Johnny Blaze. It was just the okay. old stuff. Back, you know, All right, eighties, nineties. Yeah, that's most of what we read too. I mean, book wise, I guess. And I haven't been into him since. I just can't. Yeah. I've tried. I just can't. 
Mm, understandable. Uh, Miss Ross? I'd give it a three. It sounds like a pretty cool concept, and I kind of like the racing type things, I guess. Right. Reminds me of, like, Speed Racer, like we started with. Go, go figure. And wacky races and that kind of thing, which it's not at all like that, but that's no, in my no, head. No, yeah, yeah. I, I can see the, yeah, I can see that. Now, if they throw a sweet tooth in there, I might check it out. And probably the coolest thing for me is Curtis Lade's redesign for this, because they went up and made him, like, straight a centaur with Gatling guns on both of his hips. It's <laughs> ridiculous. So, it's crazy. You know, they're all out there in motorcycles and crazy, you know, muscle cars and one-wheeled vehicles, and then he's hoofing it with a horse body and <laughs> awesome. Gatling guns. It is pretty wild. Um, let's see, score-wise, I, I give it a three also. I mean, the art's pretty good in it. The story itself, I mean, it, it's not the most deep story, at least at this point, but it was entertaining. And, like, book-wise, the redesigns and the way they did each of the different Ghost Riders together was pretty cool, like you were saying. And if it is connected because of the whole arcade thing, that'll make it even inter- more interesting. So I guess we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, the first one, I, I give it a three. It was good. I liked it. Um, let's see, with that, as we move on to Robin, Son of Batman... Awesome. Uh, number one? Yep. Tell me a story about Robin. All right. Well, Robin, Son of Batman, is being written and drawn by Pat Gleason. And it is also, uh, uh, it also is the other creators of Batman and Robin other than Tomasi. So it's got Gray and Kleez doing it as well. So the same team minus the, uh, Tomasi. And after reading this, you could tell just how much input Gleason had on on previous Batman and Robin because this book feels straight out of it. Like it's basically just a continuation of the Batman and Robin series. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean the two of them. I mean Gleason and Tomasi have worked together on Batman and Robin for the entire run for New Fifty Two. And before that, even, before. they did Green Lantern Corps. Mm. So, like, the two of them had worked together for a while. Mm. So I'd be surprised if they didn't have very similar traits as far as that goes. Yeah, and it's it's really great. Like, he really, if you didn't know it was a different writer, you, you wouldn't know. Like, he, he, he plays the character so well, but, it, it, yeah, it fits really good. Um, so getting into the book, we start with Goliath, who... If you listen to our preview, you kind of learned that Goliath is this giant were-man-bat thing. Right. And I say that because in the book, every time they call him a man-bat, he means, like, don't call him a man-bat. So I have this crazy theory. Earlier I thought he was bat-cow, but now I think he's not, definitely not a bat-cow, but I don't think he's a man at all. I think that's why he says don't call him man-bat. I don't think there's any humanity in him. It's a bat with a mix of something else. But anyway, we open up the book with uh, Goliath kind of chained up behind this uh, emperor-type guy. Uh, You find out that Goliath had got out and eaten their sacred cows, and they caught him and chained him up, and Damien came to get him back. And Damien says something along the lines of, I'll give you an option. You can either set Goliath free, or I'll set your teeth free from your face. <laughs> and so, uh, crazy fight scene. Damien punches out the guy. And then we kind of go into the past a little bit. And in the past, Damien is training in the Batcave with all the bat pets. 
can call him, which is awesome. Because he's sitting there and he's calling, he says Pennyworth, and I'm like, I don't see Alfred anywhere on there. And he's talking about the cat, Alfred the cat. Right. Um, so it shows him training, and he goes up to his room, and there's a tray of food and a note that says, even the boy wonder needs to take a night off every once in a while. And I was kind of thinking that this was after, this is kind of like that same continuity thing we were talking about earlier, where I kind of was figuring that this was taking place after Batman's death, but they leave that note, and it says, I'm going out alone tonight. I kind of want to say this is probably happening at the same time 41's happening. Like, if oh, I was going to guess oh, it's Oh, yeah, I could see that. Maybe that was that's his... That's what I would say it was. His note was, I'm going out alone tonight, and that's when he goes out to... Right. Okay, that's cool. I like that idea. That's that's what I would say where it fits, because that's um, the only thing that makes sense to keep everything in line still. I love that he gives the dog the entire Sunday. Right. <laughs> right. God. <laughs> Pretty sure my dog would think that was like the greatest thing ever. And yeah, it's awesome. Um, and the next next page, you see someone swimming down to the bottom of the ocean, and they pick up nobody's mask. And nobody was the very first villain in New Fifty Two Batman and Robin that was trying to stop Batman Incorporated, basically. In the time, he was also trying to recruit Robin. Yeah, yeah. turning turn against on, Batman. Even to turn on Batman, yeah. Mm. And that was back when Robin was... Uh... We were still new to the whole thing. And yeah. He was a little more swayable, didn't, I would say. Didn't nobody think that Batman needed to be on his own? That was, like, part of his thing? It, was like... Part of it, I mean, nobody's whole, like, game... Because at the time when it was first happening, it was hard to say if he's connected to the court. Um, ultimately, he wasn't connected to the court at all. He was just his yeah. own thing. And it seemed like he wanted to replace Batman and take Damien away and have Damien as his sidekick because he was willing to do... That's right, because he wanted to take care of the people completely right. instead of... Right, and Damien fit that build, whereas Bruce was trying to, to, to fix Damien and train him not to not to be League of Assassins. Nobody's like, well, League of Assassins fits what I want to do, so yeah. you fit me better, Batman can go do his own thing. And that's where the whole sway came from. But yeah, that was like the first villain really for Damien, I think. And ultimately, and I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but it's kind of old too, so... We're, yeah, we're talking like two and a half years ago. Yeah, so. yeah. ultimately Damien kills nobody. Yeah, and that was a big deal. Yeah. Cause he, that was he, like a turning point in uh, Batman Robin. That was the first, mm-hmm. you know... That was the first indication that you knew this book was going to be badass. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, getting back, you see someone swimming to the bottom of the ocean, and they find nobody's mask, and it says uploading video. And what's crazy about that is it has Batman's identity as Bruce Wayne, Robin's identity as Damian Wayne. Um, and you find out the person that's picking it up is nobody's daughter. Which, this part is kind of like, because it kind of seems weird for nobody to have a daughter and for his daughter to be doing like the same thing he is at this point. Like our famous catchphrase of, I think we'll find out more as it goes. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, And then she proceeds to take down some Gotham cops, too. Which is funny, because one of them says something about, how do we always get the weird shifts? And the other one's like, that's Gotham, they're all weird shifts. Right, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, And during that, uh, I guess I kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but when Damien goes to bed after the Sunday thing, he gets a call and it's from some guy, and he says, Goliath is loose. So, kind of our first instance of getting to know. Kind of an idea of where the where Goliath actually came from. And I tried to look this up. The guy that calls him, his name is Ravi. Yeah. And 
I didn't know if he had shown up before. I was kind of wondering if he was on, like, Talia al Ghul's assistance oh, type thing. Yeah. But I couldn't find any instances of hmm. his name showing up before. He but, definitely fits that mold, but I don't know if... I guess I, I don't recognize him or anything, so... Yeah. And so Damien <laughs> sets out to go find him, and he flies to the island, and if you don't recognize the island, it's where he set all of his clones loose. So it's kind of like his new... I mean, as you get further in the book, you kind of find this is like headquarters aside from the Batcave. And there he has a whole vault that he kind of tries to avoid at the start of it, but he needs to find Goliath's whistle. And in that process, uh, Robbie says that the whistle is with everything from the Year of Blood. And we don't as far as I know, we've never heard about this no, before. No, it's, it's new material. Yeah. Um, but then we skip back ahead to when uh, Goliath was chained up, and Damien's blowing a whistle, and Goliath gets loose, and uh, and he doesn't eat the guy, but he's got the guy's head in his mouth, and it's kind of funny. And he takes off with Damien to try to get rid of the, the guy they're kind of fighting. And in the process, he flies too high, and Damien loses oxygen and passes out. And he has this really awesome dream sequence where he's standing there next to uh, Dick Grayson. And at first, I thought this was, like, in the past, too. I wasn't thinking about it as a dream sequence. And then it hit me. Dick Grayson, they don't know that he's alive still. They all think he's dead. So this is Damien kind of dreaming that he's talking to his ghost. And... Uh, in the process, he sees his, his father, and his father's like, tell me what the year of blood is. And Damien says, I don't know. And and Dick has, says, you, well, you know where liars go, don't you? And a lot of crazy things. So it's, uh, it's really pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a lot that gets good done in there. Yeah. And, and one of the things I liked a lot about that was when uh, Grayson's asking him what he saw when he died. Mm-hmm. And like he's basically like, oh, well, don't you wonder why you had nothing? Mm. You know, maybe, maybe you haven't earned anything. Yep. So, um, yeah. So you definitely, definitely check that out to see it. It's kind of hard to explain from looking at it, but when you read it, it's it's out of control. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, Damien wakes up then, and he had told Goliath to bring him home, thinking that he'd bring him to Gotham, and instead he brings him back to the island because that's Goliath's home. Right. Um. And in the process, he decides that instead of going back to Gotham, he needs to stay here. Now that he's a Wayne and he's Robin, he's going to atone for the Year of Blood. And the Year of Blood, and the explanation for this was the year of training that Ra's al Ghul and Tali al Ghul put him, like assassinations and that kind of thing. Uh, you find out that in that vault that was like kind of talking to him earlier, which I don't know if that was in his head or if there was actually something talking to him from out of the vault. Uh, but he opens it and goes in, and there's just all these, a, there's, like, helmets, and there's a big banister that says Damien Al Ghul on it instead of Wayne. Uh, a lot of... a trophy room? Yeah, and you find out that Damien has taken a trophy from every one of those things he did. And there are some kind of crazy things in there that you have to look for to see, but once I, I kind of read up on this book and looked for him. Like, there's a Green Lantern ring in there, and there's Red Hood's mask and one of Nightwing's Eskrima sticks. 
So there's all kinds of crazy things that are kind of callbacks. Uh, I don't know where the Green Lantern ring would have come from, but the other two things are from Battle for the Cow. When, oh, right, right. Yeah, like he's actually said that that's where those. So we're like reaching way back prior New 52. Right, <laughs> which is cool. Um, and so ultimately Damien decides he's going to go and try to rectify what he's done to these people. Work on atonement. Yeah. And there's there's another catch at the end. It's, it's real cliffhanger style. Yeah. The, you're not, yeah. Yeah. Definitely got to check it out. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I really, really like this book. I like that it was a jumping on point, but at the same time, it didn't try to get rid of anything in the past. Like, if you've been reading Batman and Robin, you'll love this book. Um, I've been given a lot of fives, but I'm going to give it a five out of five anyway. I really, really liked it. Right on. Cool. Uh, okay, well, I guess I'm next in the weird order that we got going on. Um, you know, I I would give it a five also. Like, it, it was really good. And, like, we've talked about this for the last, I don't know, probably four or five podcasts, ever since we heard Pat was going to be writing it. And I I don't know if, he, if he's written anything before or not. I'm not aware of that. But, man, you knocked it out of the park, bro. It's awesome. Like, he's definitely, yeah, he, Pat killed it with it, like, for sure. I mean, book-wise, like, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic artist, and we, I don't know, we can't see him Pat's freaking praises enough, because we think the guy's awesome, like, all of us. Mm. And he's, he's a really cool guy, too, just in the real life. And how does he do this with six kids? I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, it, the dude's, he's just, he's just awesome. <laughs> I kind of forgot to mention in my review, but, like, the inks and coloring and all that is spot on. It, it's the tone for the story really, really good. Oh, yeah. The visuals are great. I mean, it, yeah, it looks awesome. I'm really glad that he had the same team of people from Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, sure, that, that helps, too. I mean, it keeps the book very seamless. Mm. I mean, as far as any of that goes, if, any, if you were worried at all people about jumping on it because of that, yeah, doubts be gone, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rob, let's score that book, please. It's kind of hard for me, too, but I, I'd give it a five as well. I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job of it. It'll be neat to see where they go from here with this story. So, but yeah, I was really impressed. Mr. Mike? Well, this uh, kind of takes me back to the beginning when Damien first showed up and how he was such a, an arrogant little ass. <laughs> I mean, his, his badass side's coming out again. I mean, I see shades of it, right. even though he is showing some restraint. Ross is right. I mean, it just picks right up. I mean, if you've been reading Batman and Robin, it's a natural progression. Um, wow. This right here is the definition of a great comic. I give it a six. <laughs> um, that right there, I'm... Uh, Thinking back, the whole the whole run, and now this, there's no doubt he's going to kill it, and it's going to continue to be great, and it's uh, it's uh, it's number one. I mean, and you guys know as well as I do. I'm not talking about just the big two. I'm talking about this like kind kind of knocks Black Science down <laughs> off the top, Jeez. and you know, that, I mean, for anybody listening, may not know much of the difference. That you guys know that's serious. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this book, and I will never stop reading this book. <laughs> the, char- the characters just 
oh, for, yeah. for somebody I hated in the beginning. Yeah, that's we talked. We talked about this a, a lot. Yeah. For a character I could not stand, and why are they doing this? What What are they doing? Yeah. Like a kid, and, all, and my favorite. He's my favorite. You know, a superhero comic character. Period. Hands down. <laughs> and has been for a while. Right. And just watching the progression of the book since it started with the new Fifty Two. It's like him murdering that dude. Mm-hmm. And where he is now, hey, he's badass. Yeah. And, you know, when they killed him off, it was like, there was definitely, he was missed. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, there, there was, in, in the shop, there was a general feeling regardless. And as good as the Batman book is, and as good as Justice League is, I love those two, but that one, hands down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The best. Mm, yeah. I love that they kept the continuity with, like, the pets and everything, too. <laughs> and Goliath is going to be a big, it's going to yeah. be a big deal. That's in interviews with Pat Gleason, he was saying that he thought Goliath was going to be, like, the breakout and star of this book. And you're right, it does show how much input he has had through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And this this shows right here. And, you know, we've talked to him about it. Right. Yeah, like Titus. And he gives you little, he, you know, when you talk to him at the con or whatever, he give you little hints that, you right. know. yeah. That's why Titus is a bit, you know, plays a big part. That was his idea. Well, you can you can tell he has a lot. He had a lot more ideas than that. I mean, he had a lot of input. Oh yeah. Going into this book too, I was worried that there wasn't going to be a lot of that backstory contributing anymore. And I'm so glad that it is. That, that made me so happy to read that, like why he's going on this world journey and all that kind of stuff. And I think the revisiting nobody. Uh-huh. That's cool. I think that's a really cool uh, uh, plot twist. And I think that's a villain they, that Gleason and Tomasi created, too. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I don't think we saw him ever before that particular appearance of Batman Robin. Well, not was, that I can remember. Yeah, he was pretty cool in the beginning. The, the only time he's been really used is in the animated when they did that uh, Batman vs. Right. Robin. But even not, then, he was not really, into the talent. Yeah, he was, he right. It was just the character status, not the, not the actual character, because yeah, they use... It's, yeah, like you said, it's Talon, just mm. given his whole trait. <laughs> I just kind of thought, you know, back when he killed him off, I thought it was kind of a shame because he was he was a pretty cool character for a villain. Right. And now, well, it's going to come full circle. And I think, it I couldn't really tell for sure, but she appears to be like on Damien's level as far as... From what little bit we saw of her, yeah, I'd say they're pretty. They're if not it's close in age, right? Similar, similar to the same. So age. I think that that'll they'll play off at each other really, and I yeah. think maybe she she may be a, a more of a constant, like his ne- arch nemesis basically. Maybe. we'll see. I mean, it's too early to know them. I think it's that a great idea, yet, but I, if that's the ga- gauging for it, that's awesome. I think it's a great idea yeah. to revisit that. Definitely, yes. Yeah, so a six. I give it a six. I've never given a six. Because generally our scale doesn't go that far. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to Archer or Archie vs. Predator. My God. Uh, this is Archie vs. Predator number three uh, in a four-part series uh, from Dark Horse Comics. And uh, uh, so far, uh, the first two issues were pretty were pretty good, surprising for being an Archie book. Um, as far as... Uh, Issues concerned. I mean, we very much start in progress. Um, of course, it is issue three. So, um, as far as the city's concerned, a little quick backstory: um, Archie and his group went on vacation for spring break and ran up running into the predator. The predator's taken a fancy to uh, a particular member of the group or item in the group and is now hunting them. As predator does, that's what he does. Um, and now he's come to Riverdale because they have all returned home. 
Uh, and we've had the body count slowly building. Uh, this particular issue, we start out uh, in town. I mean, they give us an overview of the city, and we see that there's quite a bit of a tour up now. And uh, pretty quick on, we get to someone entering the school and then almost eating uh, a baseball bat with spikes on it in the face. We find us Jughead. Um, he uh, was put out as bait, dressed as a lady, in order to try to attract the predator. Because uh, Archie and them have figured out at this point that they're, he's hunting one of them. Uh, anyway, so they almost killed Jughead. And, of course, then the group uh, has a quick review of like what happened to the other friends with him. Needless to say, the body count is, is risen uh, each issue. <laughs> As we go through here, we, we start to see that a few of the characters are losing their nerve. We have a group of the girls. I don't I don't know enough about Archie to know if they, they really matter before or not. I'm, they all look familiar, but it's that style, so I don't know. So a group of the girls decide to split off, and they are going to leave because they realize that whatever's... What, what, they, what they've decided is being hunted is, is Veronica. And so they decide that if they split up and the girls leave and they're not around Veronica, they'll probably be fine. Which kind of makes sense if you've seen the Predator movies, kind of. At least Predator 2. Maybe not so much Predator 1, but Predator 2. Anyway, so the girls basically abandon them. And of course that doesn't make anybody in the main group really happy. So we're left down to five. We have Archie, Jughead, Betty Veronica... And then uh, the nerd character, who looks Milton. like a, what? Milton. Milton, who uh, looks like a I don't know, like a smaller version of Jughead, but he's got giant glasses. He's the smart. He's a rich kid too. So, of course, we see that the predator is still following them. Oh, nothing. It's just important that he's not a rich kid because his parents are rich. He's a rich kid because he's like a genius. And... Right. He's he's the smart younger kid in the class that no one really pays attention to. And so he's always had angst for Archie because of it. Um, so we get a couple quick deaths. Um, I don't know, like three or four pages in. And we're talking main character deaths. We're not talking, like, side characters, main character deaths. Um, which leads to more angst. And then, of course, eventually we have a battle with the uh, Predator. And uh, during the battle, we want to find out that uh, Nerd Boy has built himself an Archie robot that... Uh, of course, gets out of control and decides to just kill everything. And in the process, he does sort of subdue the Predator for a second. And that ends pretty quickly and uh, leads to our hero, Archie, uh, being stabbed. At this point, we don't... I mean, he's not dead yet, but... On his way. He's on his way. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Milton... Well, he loses his head, because that's what the Predator does. Uh, and then, uh, book-wise, we'll be moving on to issue four, which seems to be very much the girls versus Predator. I, I'm interested to see how the two high school girls take him out, or stop him, or if they all just die. It's quite possible they might all die. Like I said, there's been a, I didn't a think that lot was gonna of main character deaths. Man. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen, but I think it's very much a possibility at this point that they yeah. could all just die. Yeah, it might go, uh, might go through Predator. Uh... <laughs> Book-wise, you know, I give it a, I give it a two and a half. I mean, it's, you know, actually, no, I give it a three. It's the art is it's standard Archie art, so it's not, you know, it's not that wowy. But like the Predator sequences, is that standard Archie art, but very blood and gutty, which is kind of awesome. Mm. The story itself's been fun. I mean, it's it's a Predator story, so, you know, as far as that, if you like the Predator, you're, you'll like this book. Uh, Grand, like I said, the art's a little simpler than normal Predator books, but man, they do 
pretty good job so far, and I'm, I'm fairly surprised this is something that actually exists. Um, so yeah, I give it a three. Um, Mr. Rob? I'd also give it a three. Yeah, I, I feel very much the same way. Like It's odd that this book even exists, but that it's being done in such an extreme way is really impressive. Because it would have been pretty easy to kind of do like the Archie meets the Punisher, you know, kind of meet and greet. Right, yeah, no, Nothing true. sort of impacts story. Whereas this is pretty much like the outcome that you would expect for Archie meeting the Predator. Yeah. It, it shows you how much, like, the Archie company in general has changed in the past few years, too. That's true. Because yeah. I think a couple of years ago this wouldn't have flown at all whatsoever. Probably not, but they definitely have a lot more... Um, Leeway, or uh, they just—they just seem to be more open with using their property to do crazy stuff. So instead of it mm. just being, oh well, let's have you know another company spoof us, they're actually doing their own. Yeah, they're like food. spoofing themselves. This is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mike, I give it a three on concept alone. Um, <laughs> When I first heard about this, I, I the, the creator said it was going to be it was going to be a bloodbath. Right. Um, I did not expect the art to be the standard Archie art because right? you know we're kind of all used to the afterlife of Archie stuff. Well, yeah, with the other the other things that have come out lately, it would have been indicative or so it was surprising to see that it wasn't more like a normal Dark Horse Predator book. Right. Um, but yeah, like, but like this actually with since we have that, that makes this. All the more special in its own, right? You know, so yeah, it, it's it's cool. And then uh, the little backups I've noticed they've had like Sabrina meets Hellboy and right. Jughead mm. meets Mind Management and just a little little extra. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's it's cool concept. Right so I can't wait to see what they're gonna. I mean, they're 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 on a roll. Yeah, I mean, we got one more issue to see how they how it wraps itself up and. It's, at this point, like like Ross said, anything's kind of a go at this point. So. And then, then they're going to reboot the whole thing anyway with, like, uh, who's uh, um, Mark, Mark Wade. Wade and Fiona Staples? Well, yeah, Archie itself over, over the Archie comics. Right. They, they put out their last issue of that run of Archie, the classic run of Archie, at 666. Um, they're going to be starting a new one with a new writer, a new team. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? But, yeah, it's as far as the books are concerned, the next run of Archie... Uh, Theon Staples, and there's a lot of covers. Oh my God! Like issue one's got so many covers, it's crazy. They're they're really, uh, of course, other than the misstep with the uh, Kickstarter thing, which I think eh, that, that kind of ruffled some feathers. Which I kind of understand that, but um, they're there's no stopping them. What was that, Mike? I don't remember it. Oh, they they did a start a Kickstarter to get the new books out sooner. Because they had like um, they have a couple other books they're doing like Jughead book and a another gay character. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they have they have a book of his coming out, and I think there might have been one more. And they were trying to speed the process up, oh, so okay. people could, which kind of gave a lot of people the impression that they they were in trouble financially. Mm -hmm. when they're really not, because they just made they just made a deal with like Walmart and Target. To have their books in their store, hmm. um, like in their own displays and stuff, and so it kind of ruffled some feathers, you know, that they right. they would do that, and, but they backed out of the deal. They 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 uh, they stopped it. So I don't know. I don't know the whole story, but right. I just remember that there were some upset people. I mean, they had people pledging money, 
but yeah, it's a weird step company wise. Yeah, I've never heard of a big company doing Kickstarter like that before. Well, when you say big, man, it's, it's a different kind of thing. Because like even Anarch Press puts a lot of their books out through Kickstarter first. Uh, maybe not not the regular individual issues, but they do like a couple of specialty trades or something like that. Like the War Nerd and Mars, they did that way, and I think part of that is just because. But they are actually a small press well, company. Yeah, Anarch Press and Archie small. is not. Uh, as small as they have, they have you know, a lot of properties. That's true. Yeah, I mean they're, they're, okay. they've been successful for many, many years. Yeah, if you stack them next to each other, it's a different. It just kind of thing. it did not didn't look good. Yeah, no, I agree. So they shut it down. But right. I mean they're they're putting out some quality stuff. They took some chances here a couple years oh, ago. Oh, for sure, yeah. And man, it's been it's it's paid off huge. So yeah, and most of them have been good. I mean, even the Sabrina book's pretty. Yeah, I mean it's crazy mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I think they found what's what's working for them better right. than anything else, and that's making the more crazy. Well, and they also got Red Hood and more, they get yeah, the black, the black Hood, black Hood, um, yeah, black uh, Hood. The Shield Company, yeah, the Dark Circle shirt. books, yeah, making more like high quality adult reader, and and books. they've got some big name creators on board. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean they're 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 kicking some ass. Sure, Miss Ross, I'd give this one a three probably as well. Um, I really liked the whole series just because of how ridiculous it is. And more than anything, I really liked the backup, like the little things in the back. That first one with Sabrina meets Hellboy was awesome. Even though it was only a page, it was great. Uh, this book, last book kind of had that surprise of Predator actually murdering someone. And so this book was kind of just a little bit... Like, there wasn't a surprise there anymore when he did it. But at the same time, they were, like, huge characters that he was taking out. So, um, but I'm not a big fan of, like, the classic Archie. It works for this just because, like, we talked about it's kind of spoofing itself with it. Kind of, yeah. It reminds me, like, if it reminds me of Robot Chicken. If you had Predator and Archie on Robot Chicken, only Archie themselves are doing it all. Right. So... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd give it a three. I think I think it's fun, but it's nothing too crazy. It's pretty crazy, but yeah. Next one, by the way, is Archie versus Sharknado. I think it's a one shot. I think Sharknado. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> oh, hopefully they keep it up. See Archie Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh. Maybe. Or, or Archie Friday the 13th. Awesome. Michael Myers. Yeah. Man, gosh. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, let's go move on to uh, Squadron Sinister number uh, one from the old uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, once again, this is a, another story told in the Battle World frame. So... Lots of craziness going on. It's written by Mark Guggenheim, and the art done by Carlos Pacheco, which uh, he, he used to do the Nova book in the beginning, I do believe, so mm. not too shabby. Yeah, no, it looks fantastic. But um, they introduce us to the Squadron's Sinister, which is uh, King Hyperion, Doctor Spectrum, Warrior Woman, Nighthawk, and the Wizard. And they're... Sort of Justice league But pretty quickly we have them facing off against a parallel version of themselves. So, the, you know, a counter Dr. Spectrum, a counter uh, Dark... Uh, sorry, I just said his name. I keep messing it up. Nighthawk. I keep wanting to call him Darkhawk. It's not, it's 
not the case. Not the same thing. No, different character entirely. Um, what we're finding out is that they're like slowly kind of spreading out from the area that they're supposed to control by annexing other parts of kingdoms around them, which is not something that you're really supposed to do, but so far they've kind of found a way to do it uh, on their own. And uh, they took care of the other version of the Squadron Supreme pretty brutally. And the only one they leave behind is the other version of Nighthawk to be the uh, kind of overseer of this new annexed portion of the uh, of their domain. And we kind of get like a taste for how these guys work uh, because basically, like most of them do the fighting, and Hyperion kind of just hangs out above and just kind of watches what they're doing, and he'll step in when he needs to, but otherwise, he almost always hangs back. Unless he's tearing somebody's arms off. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, he deals with their uh, their what do you call them? your 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 people or your uh, when you're the king of a realm you subjects. have subjects. Yes, he's pretty brutal with the subjects. Yeah, yeah. He comes down and uh, he's caught this. Uh, well, he's he's picking up this prisoner who is evidently stealing food rations, and uh, he basically. Tells the guy, all right, well, you know, tell me, tell me where your side of it, and remember that I can hear your heartbeat, so I'll know if you're lying. And the guy basically tells him, yeah, like, yeah, I stole it, I stole it because I could. And uh, Hyperion's like, you know, there's only one problem with that, you got caught, and uh, can't allow anybody to see us being weak, and so being weak is a capital offense, according to the King Hyperion. And he winds up grabbing the guy's cuffs and ripping his arms out of the socket. As his punishment. And then he takes off. He's going to leave the cops to deal with this guy. Uh, and we get to see kind of their their base of operation, which is very super frenzy, <laughs> kind of. And the coolest thing for me was that we see their trophy room, and they have like a handful of Justice League pieces of equipment in there. So like you have an old Alan Scott... Um, Green Lantern, you have, like, Psycho Pirate's mask, you have Hawkman's mask, you have a mother box, you have Aquaman's triton, Green Arrow's bow, Batman's utility belt, so you have all these, like, pieces that are definitely, like, Justice League, even though they, you know, couldn't possibly be in this world. And, uh, we kind of get this whole discussion about what they're going to annex next, and they kind of run into the point where they're like, well, how big do we need to be? And we find out that this uh, nation to the side of him has a weapon that can hurt Hyperion. And so Nighthawk wants them to go over there and, and collect it. Um, ultimately, in the middle of their conversation, one of the Thor soldiers shows up. And it winds up being Iron Thor. And, uh, you know, Hyperion's kind of upset at first that, uh, you know, they showed up without making any uh, announcements that they were coming. But he and uh, Iron Thor basically kind of take off on their own, and Hyperion gets a chance to kind of explain himself as to why they're annexing the places around them. And ultimately, like, Iron Thor kind of leaves satisfied, but I think he's realizing that Hyperion might have ulterior motives. And weren't you explaining to me earlier that the Iron, the Thors are Doom's, basically his security force? Yeah, they're like his police force. They're the only ones that are really supposed to be Going into everybody's, making sure everybody's ages. doing what they're supposed to be. Yeah, doing. they're they're like the ultimate police force. 
So you can see where Hyperion and him probably wouldn't get along. But it worked out well in this story so far. But probably the shining character for me is the wizard who, like, always shows up and has something cool to say. So actually, I kind of liked him. He was always that way. Um, but as we get into that, like, we're seeing that Nighthawk is, is continuing to do things to try to, like, power himself. And so one of the characters that they killed earlier in the book was another version of Dr. Spectrum. And he was trying to remove the jewel from his hand. But ultimately, like, our version of Dr. Spectrum shows up. Or, uh, in this case, some Squadron Supreme's version of... Or Squadron Sinister's version of the of him shows up and is basically like, No, it's mine. Belongs to me. And, you know, Nighthawk... Or, yeah, Nighthawk is like, you know, that seems weird that you'd think that. So what you're seeing is, like, they already know that there's duplicates of themselves out there. And it's not something that even bothers them or even kind of comes to this, like, odd situation that there's multiple versions of each of these characters that exist. But um, we kind of see there as a first taste that Nighthawk is looking for something to power himself. So we kind of flash back to Hyperion, and we see him and Warrior Woman, you know, getting work done, smashing around inside the uh, the meeting room, and uh, the kind of the scene gets this uh, gets distracted by uh, them finding Iron Thor dead on the uh, the meeting room table, like his chest is just completely ripped out. Yeah, big ol' hole. Mm-hmm. Which leads them to basically go, like, well, what the heck do we do? Because nobody wants to be charged with killing a Thor. And, you know, how, how are you going to explain that? So they kind of come to this idea that they're going to, like, just hide the body for a while, and they're going to go continue their, their annex at this other place so they can get the weapon that could hurt Hyperion. And then find somebody conveniently to pin probably the murder on. But Hyperion, like, is wanting justice, but the only reason he wants it is to basically keep the Thors out of his area. It was also kind of odd that they, like, continuously just dump on uh, Spectrum, too. Like, Dr. Spectrum is always getting, like, chewed out for all of his actions in the story. We kind of have this cool raid on the... Uh, I'm like, I think it's Dr. Zero. Yeah, Dr. Mm. Zero's lair. And uh, Nighthawk ultimately gets the weapon that could hurt Hyperion, and Hyperion and Dr. Zero wind up fighting. Dr. Zero is actually a lot like Hyperion, but he's not quite as strong. Hyperion ultimately winds up melting his face, burning him to dust, before the rest of his team kind of destroys the, uh, the rest of the castle. And in the end, there winds up being a lot of talk about what Nighthawk's uh, loyalties are and whether or not he was doing this to get this weapon to try to face off against Hyperion. And we kind of hear a lot of conflicting ideas from what Hyperion thinks, like whether he trusts Nighthawk or not, which ultimately he doesn't. And he's probably right to, because it looks like uh, he may be plotting his downfall. But the other extra double geek is that Warrior Woman is also working with somebody who may be plotting his downfall. Like, the only people that really stood up to Squadron Supreme so far has been the Frightful Five. Four. Or the Frightful Four, in this case. Which they nicknamed the FF, which is kind of funny. Because they were, like, old villains of the Fantastic Four, so. Uh, so they're probably going to be the ones that we're seeing next. I think that that's who Warrior Woman's meeting with at the end of this story is one of the members of the FF. In this case, the frightful. That's a pretty good guess, probably. Let's see. 
Uh, Robinson scored the book. Um, I enjoyed it. I'd, I'd give it a three. I enjoyed it a lot. I I'm not super familiar with Squadron Supreme, but they're definitely super ruthless, and it's kind of neat that they took this approach where they're not necessarily evil, even though they kind of are doing some pretty rotten stuff. So, Doctor Doom style a little bit. Uh, I'm Mr. Mike. Well, because I like the Squadron Supreme, I'll give it a three and a half. But I was thinking, you know, just I've been looking forward to this because I do like them. And when I read it, it was kind of confusing because anybody who's seen the front cover, you see what I remember as because they faced off against the Avengers like early on. I mean, they're pretty. They've been around a long time. And I'm assuming that's what the the this version is. The I mean they were right, they were out and out villains. They wanted to take out the Avengers. They wanted to kill them. And that's the versions I see. And, and I don't remember Warrior Woman. And there is somebody missing who was a real key character back in the day because he he was a little badass. Was Tom Thumb. He was like a midget that uh, was really good with gadgets and kind of like a Tony Stark type. He could build anything. Um, later on, they did like a 12-issue miniseries about the Squadron Supreme um, building a utopia through behavior modification on their world and the you know the moral dilemmas that that poses. Sure. A great story. And then I kind of, and then I remembered there was a Max version of these characters, which I'm not super familiar with. I read the Nighthawk book in that. And then I believe there was a uh, Supreme Power, but it was like almost like an ult—I can't remember if it was Ultimate or Max. It might have been it Ultimate. Was a it was a Max run. And so I'm thinking possibly that might be some of these other characters that they're taking out because I don't remember. I only remember the early version of the—I mean, the Super Evil—and then that 12-issue miniseries, which had the basically the same characters, but they had you know their their motives were a little more altruistic. Um, but these guys, like, that they show on the right side of the cover, uh, it's a different uh, version of the wizard, which they call Blur. I've never heard of that. Um, Zarda, I, you know, and this this version of Dr. Spectrum I've never seen. Hmm. But the Nighthawk looks like the Max version, because I remember that cover. Yeah. I, I think that is the, the uh, I guess, more updated version of them. That was mostly in the in the uh, Marvel Knights. Oh, okay. Or, 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 or I'm sorry, the Max. 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 Yeah. Okay. So yeah, see, cause that 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 was kind of um, what I was confused because mm-hmm. they were taking out themselves, you know, a different version. Yeah. Like you're talking about. So I was kind of confused, but now that I think about it more, it's starting to make more sense. Well, and the other half is like a lot of the Battle Worlds can be read without picking up Secret Wars. But like this one, definitely you want to be able to read Secret War first because it'll give you a lot of the information of what you know why why is there a Thor Iron Man why is there different regions you know so well, I've always liked the Squadron characters I, I just always have so I'm I'm in so yeah I'd, I'd give it a three and a half but yeah that's it's it's worth it's definitely worth a read in my opinion cool uh, Mr. Ross I'd give it a three as well. A lot of cool things. I I really liked that the kind of DC stuff was showing up in this. <laughs> as kind of background, like, yeah, it's not really supposed to be here, but we'll put it in anyway. It reminded me a lot of uh, 
in Groot when they stole Baby Superman's oh, right, ship. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, three. I thought it was pretty good. Cool. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I give it a three also. Like, the art's pretty, the art's really good, actually. Mm-hmm. And, like, story-wise, I'm not real married to these characters whatsoever. I mean, uh, you know, I know most of them. I read some of the Max stuff, but not a lot. So, yeah, as far as that goes, like, I get, I, I don't have an opinion of which version of them it is. I'm just okay with it being a version of them, so. Well, the current Hyperion that's in the Avengers book is right. nothing like no, 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 the no, old no, version no, at yeah, all. No. So. Well, at this point, he's com- he's basically reformed. I mean, ever since the well, who I don't I couldn't tell you exactly when he reformed, but ever since he was collected to be part of the Avengers, back at the beginning of the Hickman Avengers run, <laughs> he basically turned into a good guy. Captain America recruited him to go fight the Builders. And if I recall, I read a story like that that Max or whatever it was mm-hmm. that he took out a different version of himself. Yeah. That he killed, or he was killed, that he killed a different version of himself, or they fought and one of them died. So I think he was left. And I think that's the current version we have now. That's quite possible, too. Like I like I said, I didn't really read a whole lot of that stuff, so. It's been a while. Yeah. And I, I almost think Warrior Woman might not have been one of their original characters. I, mean, I, I, I can't remember. I'd probably have to look her up, but I think they probably threw her in because it kind of mirrors a Justice League. Right. I mean, but it does at, irritate me that they didn't have they, they're not including Tom Thumb because he yeah. was a, he was a big character in that group. I mean, he was like their their brain. There's there's a few pieces that aren't completely right, even in you know some of the other worlds that we've seen. And I don't think it's like a a writer or a memory error. I wonder if they're doing that on purpose. But yeah, he may show up yet. Who knows? That's true. But I mean, he he was a big part of the group. I mean, he was really, and he was a little. Man, he was a little bastard. He was. Yeah, he, may, he might be rebuilt the next issue. You never know. Well, I hope so. All right. Uh, let's go on to our last book, the Superman Wonder Woman, number 18. All part of the truth. Rob, um, want to regale us with some Superman Wonder Woman action? Sure. Uh, Superman Wonder Woman 18, if you haven't been reading Superman Wonder Woman, this is a perfect time to jump in. Uh, you got Tomasi writing it. You have um, Manhawk. I know I'm pronouncing his name probably. Mankey. Mankey doing doing the artwork for it. Of uh, of Green Lantern fame. Yeah, it's a fantastic artist, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this actually begins with a little catch-up for the Superman Wonder Woman storyline. So we kind of see how their relationship worked out, and they even give us kind of a glimpse of Superman when he developed his new power and, like, kind of his depowered form now. And uh, we open it up with Wonder Woman being in bed with Superman and she's kind of reassuring herself, sort of, that she's going to be there for him. And we're seeing that, like, Superman has a lot of things that are different that, you know, maybe never were covered in the other books. For instance, you know, Superman now has to eat. Superman now has to sleep which is stuff that we've never seen him have to deal with before. Um, but, yeah, Wonder Woman kind of has to be now the the more powerful of the uh, the two in this relationship. And kind of in the middle of the night, uh, Clark gets this call coming in from Lana Lang, and she's worried that somebody's in the house with her. And, of course, you know, normally that would be go time for Superman. He would just, you know, fly off. He can't do that anymore. 
So he and Wonder Woman went up to go together. They fly to Smallville. And uh, when they get there, they find that, like, the house is just empty. It seems like nothing's been moved around. And we kind of find out the importance for Lana Lang with Superman in New 52, which is that they have a lot of, like, prior relationship stuff. But the... Was that kind of like that before to you? Yeah, there there was that. It, it was in such a kind of like deep past for Superman. Yeah, ironically enough, I remember that from watching the old uh, Filmation Superman cartoons with him and Lana Lang. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they had a, a thing with that for a while, and I don't know, you know, whether that survived a lot of the reboots of Superman or not. Yeah, but it is something that still exists in New Fifty Two, New Fifty Two continuity. Um, <laughs> Of course, so everyone knows who Superman is at this point. Mm. So when he goes to kind of meet some of the people in the uh, in Smallville who kind of know what's going on in the city, they all know that he's Superman already. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we find out from them, though, is that people have been disappearing and that um, some people came and, and took the old uh, Ken estate. And, uh, like, one of the few things that remains is, like, a mailbox for the Kents that one of the guys held on to. And they kind of make it very clear that they would rather Superman stay away. Yeah, and they're, I like it because they're, like, really nice about it. They're like, we know you're a good person and that you've been doing this for a reason for all this time, but with all the stuff that's been disappearing, we'd appreciate it. It's a very, like, it's not like grab your porches and pitchforks. And yeah, you need to leave. No, they were, they were pretty, uh, you know... I guess nice about. Yeah, they're, they're what you'd expect, like Swalville people to be like from how Superman's <laughs> talked about them. Yeah, right, right. But as we get back to the old Kent farm, we find that it's gone. Like they took the entire farm. They took everything, every building in the place, straight out of the ground, wheeled it out of there. Nothing is left. Well, just like a big square in the ground. Yeah, all the way down empty. with foundation being gone. Like it's just there's nothing there. And from there, he kind of. I realized, well, if they did this, maybe they did other places. Well, they even they came and took his grandparents' place. Which is also crazy, because, like, the, there's never really mention of them prior, really. I mean, this obviously must be must have existed, but as far as them having connection, I don't think we've ever, ever dealt with them before, really. No. And it's kind of an interesting connection, because they sort of make an old 50 Superboy connection here with, like, him having a secret base... And a secret entrance into mm. one of the old houses, which is something that was, like, in the 50s Superboy. But it's never something that we've dealt with in regular Superman or mm. New 52 Superman. But, yeah, he's got kind of this... The only thing that's really left of his old life is an old bomb shelter, where he's kind of explaining to Wonder Woman that that was, like, one of the few places that he could feel like a normal person. Was locked away from the rest of the world. And it was really... Maybe where he should be. He was locked away. Yeah, it was the only place that no one knew about other than Lena Lane, too. Yeah. Um, from there, he winds up realizing that, you know, if they've done all this, they might not have stopped here. And so he winds up busting out of there and running to the cemetery, where he finds that they've removed all of the bodies of the Kent families. Which is kind of like the final indignity to... You know, Superman. Um, now, we did find out that somebody was monitoring what they were doing. Somebody was watching them with a satellite. And presumably, 
it's wound up revealed here at the end when they were fired on by the Suicide Squad. That shows up to, like, fight them in the cemetery. Which, uh, you know, probably not very good news for the Suicide Squad, really, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, they show up like that. I don't know if they're actually there to fight him, though. It's hard to say. I think they're there to collect him. I think yeah. the Waller wants him. Yeah, that's and what she, I'm thinking, too. I think she thinks she can subdue him, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. Especially now with the one going with him. Yeah, and I kind of wonder, like, at this point, like, Superman's Superman. Like, I don't think we've ever seen him... This is probably, like, the most... Actually pissed? Yeah, <sighs> Yeah, but, I mean, like, this is, like, the, the worst thing you could possibly have done. Like, you know, I mean, this is right up there with, like, killing Jimmy Olsen in front of him and, like, stamping mm-hmm. him to death. You know, I mean, like, everything that's important to him has been stolen mm-hmm. by these people with his identity coming out. Yep. And so, you know, I, I, I mused about this earlier. Like, it, it, he might be mad enough to kill. You know, and if you were going to kill somebody, we kind of know if you've been reading The Suicide Squad that some of them have the chance to come back because they've had uh, the Resurrection Man's DNA, like, spliced into them. So, like, Harley Quinn and Deadshot have both come back from the dead. So is it possible hmm. that this would be the point that pushes Superman to this ultra-violent <coughs> promise that they've made for for truth? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know? But I, I don't think it's good for the Suicide Squad. I can't see any way that they're going to come out of this without a serious beatdown. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with it. I give it a four. Four, four five, I think, actually. So... Four and a half? Yeah, four and a half. Okay. I've been really impressed with the Superman Wonder Woman series, and this is just another layer of awesome, so... Cool. Um, is your mic? Well, I dropped off uh, the Superman Wonder Woman title a while back, um, and I've been meaning to check it check it out now that Tomasi's writing it. Um, and I haven't been real privy to the truth thing. I, I heard Lois Lane's a real... And, yeah. Right. Um... But from what I read in this issue, it's pretty good. Um, I give it a three and a half. Miss mm-hmm. Ross, and I'd probably give it a three and a half as well. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, I think they really capture Superman's personality, which I haven't really seen much of in since the New Fifty Two, other than in Justice League. Like I felt like Jeff Johns did him really good, and now I feel like Tomasi is is writing Superman really well. The one thing that before we kind of talked about it just now is that I felt like he cursed too much like that wasn't really a Superman thing that I could see him doing but on the other hand if he's kind of slipping then I could totally see that happening like if he's if he's losing his I need to be good all the time thing and he's just getting more angry at everyone maybe he's just developing a case of Tourette's maybe <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think so either. That'd be awesome. And honestly, I I didn't notice it until you had mentioned it. So. It might just be me, but you know, Superman's always. I hate that the people call him the Boy Scout, but that's kind of what he's always been. Yeah, it's kind of who he is. I like that personality with him, and it stands out when he's like that. But this book, this book, he's really like that. Other than. But they haven't really nailed it for so long, and it seemed Mm -hmm. like when Greg Pak took over action. So here we go. I mean, it was getting back to mm-hmm. Superman the way I always thought he should be. Um, and then, well, Doomed happened, and I, you know. Yeah. But. And we were talking about that earlier. Um, it's It's been cool so far that Truth 
unlike Doomed, where it was done in chapters, and you needed to pick up this book and this book and this book to get the whole story, Truth seems to be more encapsulating this is the period of time where Superman doesn't have his powers. So, so it's just an underlying theme that you can, you don't have, it's not a, it's not a story into its, on, on itself, it's just a, so far, yeah. A theme. And it's, before this, I was really worried that it was gonna be that way. When I started seeing that truth on everything, I was yep. like, oh, it's gonna be in Superman, and then the next part's gonna be in action, and then the next part's gonna be in Superman Wonder Woman. And yeah. I'm really glad that it's not been that way. Yeah, I was afraid of that too, but I, so far, I, I know people love to hate Superman. But get off your hands, get truth, because these books so far have been fantastic. Just from what I read there, it makes me want to check out the new Superman title. Um, I can't remember who's writing it, but it, so they're, supposed, they're supposed to be taking that in a really good. cool, cool direction. Yeah. So, so that I, makes me want to check out Superman 41. I've read all the all the truth stuff so far, and they've all been really good. And, mm-hmm. and they haven't, I, and like I said, I'm glad they haven't been... Chapter one, Superman. Chapter two. Mm. Well, I mean, it's the sad thing is we're, I'm, I'm getting it anyways. But yeah, I, I prefer it to be each its own story. Yeah. And honestly, like the Batman Superman one, mm. yeah, it's pretty crazy too. Uh, yeah, I three and a half. That's right. good. I mean, well, I fall you with the both. You can give it three and a half also. I mean, the things that happen in this book are so crazy, just out of control. I mean, Kent Farm. The the bodies of his his surrogate family. Yeah, that's messed up. It's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. So, uh, as far as the path is concerned, I don't know how you stream farther, man. This is just nuts. That's what I was actually gonna ask when you're done. But what hmm. does uh, what do you guys think? What is gonna be the consequences of this? Do you think that they're gonna do some crazy mind wipe at the end of it, and everyone's gonna forget that Superman was? I, I hope not. That's how Grant answered his hole that he wrote himself into in action comics mm-hmm. was missile fixes things. Yeah, that's and right. And drove me nuts. I was really, really not happy with it. Um, I hope that's not how we're going to come out of this. But at the same time, I'm, where do we go? Mm-hmm. Either Superman is going to regain his powers and he's going to be Superman 24-7 with no clans, Kent. Mm-hmm. Or he's got to recreate a new identity for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, in the action comics, he did do that. He came off and called himself Jonathan Parker, I think, yeah, or I something remember that, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and was a fireman, mm-hmm. which was a different life for mm-hmm. him. And it was it was harder, actually, for him to keep his identity secret there because... It's more physical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know where we go from this. And I think it would really cheapen the story if it's just a... Well, let's make everyone forget. Yeah, let's just make everybody forget. And I, I kind of was talking to Steve the other day about, like, oh, all he has to do is become friends with the Martian Manhunter, and then him and Clark the, can be seen together again. Or Zatanna. Well, Zatanna can fix it. <laughs> well, mind-wipe-wise, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, you're right, would cheapen it. Because yeah, this, is, this is a big deal. I mean, I, this is, like, this is a huge impact. Yeah, I really think so. And it, honestly, when I first saw Stuff for Truth, I kind of didn't think it was going to be this big. And mm. I kind of didn't think it was going to be this good of a story. Mm. But, I mean, it it really breaks a lot of the human side of Superman. And I think that's what makes this so interesting to me. And that's a lot of the human side that he's never been able to experience before, too. And, like true, having yeah. to eat and having to sleep. and yeah. Everyone makes a joke of that the issue of Superman where he loses his powers and he gets drunk. 
but it's like Superman wouldn't have known that that was going to happen because it's never been that way for him before. Yeah, so. yeah. I, when when they did the first uh, emergence of his powers dropping away, I was kind of like, ah, this is stupid. Mm. When did that happen? I want to say it was forty. It might have been an issue before that. I think it was actually super. Why did Why did it happen? Was it because of something resulting from doomed or? No. no. Well, we found out he had a new power. The base right. would do. That's right. Explosion, basically, and after explosion results in having a delay of his powers returning because he has to rebuild the solar energy in order to have the powers again. Um, so that's where that originally started. And this ultimately ended up with him, like, almost permanently losing them, right? Yeah, was... with the one he, when he used it the, the next time, it, it, it wiped him out really bad. So, yeah, it, it's, it's all a result of that. Yeah, he was uh, testing the limits of what that power could do. And, you know, in the process, he may have damaged himself forever. We don't know. You know, the... There's so much we don't know about Superman. Mm. But, like, in this case, we're taking everything away from him. Even mm. the super suit gets taken away from him. Yeah, so. that was, that was kind of crazy. The suit rejecting him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, truth is going to be... Truth is going to be big. It's going to be an important story element. I, I, I feel like in this case, like, uh, we, we've talked about it a couple times, where the War of Superman was just, like, completely swept under the rug... With you know the awesome was, yeah. and man, it's true. Uh, compared to some of the other events that were going on, I think this one probably overshadows what's going on with Batman right now. That's just me. I definitely say, if not that, they're at least on a similar level. Close the same playing field. Yeah. I'll give you that. All right. Um, let's see. Um, well, we get an interview with uh, Joel Jones uh, from San Diego, or from gosh, from Denver Comic Con. Uh, I got to chit chat with her for a little bit uh, one of the days while we were out there. Um, so we'll go and roll that. And uh, if you guys haven't got a chance to check out Lady Killers or uh, the uh, Helheim, uh, she's the artist on both. Uh, Lady Killers, she's also writing for Dark Horse, and the trade should be out. I want to say the middle of next month. I believe, for the first volume. Yeah, fantastic. So you should check it out. Alright, this is Steve at Top 5 Comics. I'm sitting here today with... Joelle Jones. Miss Joelle is the uh, lady killer. I, I did make that book. Yes. Right. <laughs> You all was in Helheim. I, I remember when this thing first popped off. People uh, went crazy for it when it first came out. Amazing. Yeah, Hel- Helheim. You mean? Yeah. Helheim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a great book. I love it. Good times. Super fun. Um, so out of curiosity, was there when was there a point in time that you thought this is what I want to do, and or was there somebody that inspired? Somebody you saw and you're like, you know, I really want to do comic books. That's what I want to do. Or is it something that you just stumbled into, or like how did you get started? Uh, I I think, well, I started reading comics when I was really young, and about, I think, eight years old, I decided that's what I wanted to do, so nice. I stuck with it, I guess. Right? Yeah. And as far as, like, illustration, I mean, because at this point you're writing and illustrating both, so that, just in general, do you, I guess, when you were first starting, was there somebody, an artist in particular you followed, or somebody that you, you looked at and you said, man, I want to be like that? Uh, you know, I've always been a huge fan of, uh, I never know if I say his name right, Pachalo. 
Oh yes. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Oh yeah. I've loved I loved his stuff for ages, and I think it took my love of comics as it was and kind of made it over the top. You know, I love it. Right. Well, he's been, he's been doing it for a while too, and he's yeah really good. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Let's see. As far as uh, gosh, just story wise. Have you, is this, is, is Lake Hills like the first one you've ever thought that you've ever wanted to do yourself? Or do you have other ones on the back burner that you also have set up that you want to do? Well, I always try to have ideas uh, burning around. Uh, but Lady Killer right now is uh, something I've been working on idea-wise for the last four years. And finally got an opportunity in my schedule to actually work on it. Right. Well, it, as a reader, it's fantastic. I like it a lot. Ah, nice. It's very cool. Having a blast doing it. Awesome. So, uh, if you could, uh, Carte Blanche, pick anything to work on. Is there something that you haven't worked on that you want to? Just out of like, what's your top? Uh, your top two or three? Who would you want to work on if you just had any chance to do anything? You know, I, I, I never, I'm never good at this question. Uh, I think there's a million different things I want to work on. Right. Uh, but yeah, my heart right now is in creator own. So there's nothing I can think of that would really be like really exciting other than like is it a short project and can I get back to what I love sure. doing so that's about it yeah right right so at this point you're pretty happy where you are which makes perfect sense yeah very much so yeah um, as far as like uh, gosh I, in all honesty the, but as far as back I can remember seeing you there was a book that came out I can't remember the title what it was it's my love or my jeez it's like maybe 2002-ish, 2003-ish? Is it 12 Reasons? Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Mm. Okay. I was, I was pretty sure that I was, I was right about yeah. that. Is that the first work you did published? Uh, yeah, I, I did little projects before that, but that was the big, first big thing. I well, did. right. Well, I mean, we've seen you on, let's see, well, it's Hellheim, Brides of Hellheim, mm -hmm. Batman 66, which I think is fantastic also. Oh, yeah, that was fun, yeah. Yeah. I, I love Adam West Batman. Oh, I, God, me too. So... If you were trapped on a desert island, uh -huh. what five items or people, five things would you take with you? Um, that's really hard. I would uh, I would take that Bear Grylls guy to okay. help me get yeah, everything. perfect sense. Yeah? That's true. <laughs> that guy, uh, a way to get, uh, I would, maybe my iPhone, All right. a way to get internet, um, my favorite movies? I don't know. That's tricky. Those are all good so far. Those are all good. Well, okay. if I have Netflix, I don't need anything to play movies That's on. true. Um, so say the same Netflix. My dogs. Your dogs? Uh-huh. Bear Grylls. Is that how you say his name? I don't, I don't actually know, but I know. I, I don't know sure how you say his name. That guy that ate uh, a raw fish on TV. Yes. Raw uh, fish uh, jumped into a frozen lake. Uh-huh, that guy. Plays himself in snow. Yeah. Um, that's the dude. Him and... Um, Soap. Soap. That's a good choice also. Yeah. I got one more. So if you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? If I lived in a wow, a fantasy? If you lived in Fantasyland. Would I ride a chocolate pony? No. I'd dismantle it and save it and eat it uh, here and there. What if it can talk, though? It doesn't make a difference. I'm not riding a chocolate donkey or whatever. Pony. Oh. Pony. They're cuter. <laughs> Right on. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.
Man, that's That's how it wants us to come back from One every break these, from man, now on. Man, we got to figure out how to... Yeah, I guess. That, that would be good, actually. <laughs> that's what you did. It is. <laughs> All right, so now that we're done with that uh, thing, jo- thanks, Joelle. She's fantastic. Anyway, uh, so let's do some books to watch. Uh, Ross? Well, I mean, obviously, Damien, or Robin, son of Batman, is up there. I'm really, really, really excited for Cyborg when that comes out, too. Um, Dark Side War has been crazy. Uh, all the Marvel Star Wars stuff, in particularly, we were talking Darth Vader earlier, and it, it's been really, really good. Um, and then Mega Man is going on a hiatus after issue 55. Hmm. So I'm wondering if they're going to do something crazy right before that. So I guess those those are probably my biggest ones. Robin, Son of Batman, Cyborg, though. Those are the two big ones. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Mike? I'll agree with Ross. Robin, Son of Batman, obviously. And Cyborg uh, is shaping up to be pretty cool. And my uh, usuals, Black Science, um, Justice League, um, Deadly Class, the Star Wars stuff is phenomenal. Right. Um, and I'm going to hang in there with uh, Squadron Sinister. Right. And I, of course, Colin Bond's Aquaman. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Cool. Uh, Rob? Hmm? Well, there's going to be a lot of good stuff for Marvel up on the horizon, but for right now, Secret War is actually really legit. It's totally worth checking out. Um, Thor's was fantastic. Um, I really want to see where they're going to go with the new Green Lantern stuff. I think that's going to be a great story once it's all said and done. Um, shoot, and the truth stuff. Like, I'm really surprised how much I really enjoy that stuff so far. So, um, I think the other one to look forward to would be Gotham by Midnight, uh, with the new creation team. And I want to say it's going to be really neat to see what's going to happen with Justice League United as it actually comes out and actually has an effect yeah, from, be crazy. from Convergence. So. All right, cool. Um, let's see, book-wise, man. As I would... Uh, the Star Wars stuff, Darth Vader. Uh, we got Lando starting soon, which I'm pretty... I'm super stoked for, actually. Um, gosh... As far as uh, new books are concerned, we should have a batch of new books drop after San Diego for for Image. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but I do like Descender still. It's fantastic. Yeah, Descender's awesome. It's really good. The that new Brian K. Vaughn book is We Stand on Guard. Oh, yeah, We Stand on yeah. Guard. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty stoked for that, yeah. too, actually. Curtis was hating on it, but... Really? Uh, well... He, he would. <laughs> you know, it, he did... He doesn't like army. Well, I don't know. It, maybe because they're Canadian. I maybe, don't know. but I don't know. it's it's the 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 premise is pretty cool. And, and with I, Brian I K. Vaughn, cool. which reminds me Saga. Just throw that in there. Right. Okay. <laughs> Man, maybe that's why he doesn't like it. Understandable. <laughs> anyway, uh, book wise, man. I feel like there was something else I was, was super stoked for. You always say Revival. Remember. I do like Revival. Like, it, it's still fantastic. It's still crazy. 
Um, definitely, I mean, Robinson and Batman. You can't say enough good things about that book right now. It's Regular awesome. Batman was crazy too. I think it'll yeah, be it's it's crazy, but I, I don't know if it's shining light for me yet or not. So we'll man, see. I never thought I'd hear that. I know, man. I know. Robin, I, son of Batman, yeah, yeah, bypassed that a long oh, time yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, I agree, but I like it. Yeah, I still like Batman, yeah. too. And I still like the Justice League a lot. Yeah, no, Justice League was good, too. I mean, as far as, like, books in general, you should just be reading for the fact they're good. I mean, that's where they would fall into. That, that's all I got. I got nothing else. But I, w- I will say, I have to say, that I recently got a chance to read... Uh, uh, Green Lantern Recharge, uh, an old when Jeff Johns like early, his earlier Green Lantern stuff, and that's where the um, they introduced Isamot Cole, the one of my favorite the lanterns, lizard, the, the lizard, uh, the lizard, yeah, yeah Green and oh, it's, it's the a Green Lantern gra- core and, one, right? Huh? Is it the Green Lantern core one? Uh, with Guy and Kilowog and it might have been the core. It's called Recharge. Okay. Um, yeah, I think so. And that's where Badge was first introduced. <laughs> All right, but that's yeah. a it's a great story. I mean, check out some of the older stuff. I mean, come in here and go through the back stock boxes and stuff. I mean, there's some good stuff. Yeah, um, the old true. stuff is you know it's. And I also read uh, Green Lantern most or uh, Hal Jordan Wanted. Yeah, that's good too. Which is where that's when the Star Sapphire stuff first started yep. coming in, and um, yeah, there's some good stuff. We got that different Star Sapphire for a little while too. Yeah, the the cowgirl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, there's check out some of the old stuff. It's it's really cool. That recharge, I would recommend. I mean, that that was a that's a great great story. Recharge was drawn by Pat Gleason too. Yes, it was. Go figure. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. Right on. Cool. I think that's it. Well. Tiki? No. No. Oh, Sorry. Come on. Uh, just don't have it in me. You know how Larry said if Mike broke into that at the very end of it instead of saying no? It'd be awesome. Not that I expect you to do that ever, Mike, but that'd be funny. I've done it, haven't I? The Tiki. No, not the song. Oh, I no, I wouldn't know. I've never, don't think I've ever heard it. Uh, you're, you're lucky. I got it in my head, and it was there all last year in Denver. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when I watched that movie um, Ravenous. You, you've seen it? Yeah. About the uh, up in the mountains and the snow and the, yeah. the that that music, that oh, weird ass yeah. banjo. Yeah. That got stuck in my head for months. I hope that's what the song's called. Oh, it's weird terrible. I don't think it's the name of it. It, it is. It's terrible. Of it.